She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 4. Episode 23. Demons. 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 <laughs> this episode is a myth arc episode and originally aired on Sunday, May 11th, 1997. In it, Mulder awakens in a motel in Rhode Island covered in blood with no apparent mementos of what occurred or how he got there. Yeah, I couldn't resist, even though Mento came out like two years after this episode. But, I know, uh, yeah. <laughs> similar, similar for sure. I think two years. Was Memento 99? I think it was. I don't remember. That sounds right to me. I don't it know. It may have actually been later. 2000. Okay. Similar, yeah. yeah. This episode was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and was written by R.W. Goodwin and directed by Kim Manners. This is R.W. Goodwin's only episode as a writer... However, his name may be familiar because with the exception of season two, episode one's Little Green Men, he always directs the season finale and the next season's opener, and he will continue to do so until the end. He is also a senior executive producer of The X-Files, lives in Bellingham, Washington, and is married to Sheila Lorkin, who plays Margaret Scully, Scully's mom. The R and RW stands for Robert. No idea on the W. Well, let's go with William because that would be very X Files. It would be. Yeah, there are a lot of Williams going on here. Yeah. I feel like we haven't seen Kim Manners in a while, but he did direct Zero Sum and Max, so I guess I just wasn't paying attention. I was like, oh, (laughs) Kim Manners directing this one. I haven't seen his name for a while, but I just, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with me, but anyway. Well, we're doing these so, like, kind of haphazardly and, like, scattered that it's hard to remember, like, you know. That's true. Hard to keep track. <laughs> it's very, very intermittently. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there are bright flashes of light and then the face of Samantha, Mulder's sister. And she tries to wake Mulder, who opens his eyes and is like, Samantha? And she's like, shh, they'll hear you. And then light flashes and time is cutting weird. And there's also like weird voices all over. It's mm-hmm. very, something is going on. And they're in the loft at the Mulder summer home. And Samantha's looking through the railing downstairs. Their parents are fighting, but the audio is all watery. And Mulder sees himself as a kid also in the loft. And then he sees his mom sitting on the sofa downstairs and her head's in her hands. And his father's pacing around. And she's like, my baby. And is crying. And then Samantha's like, I'm afraid, Fox. And then Mulder wakes up in the dark from his dream. So it was a dream. Maybe. Anyway, he's on the floor in a motel room and he's all sweaty. And he's got blood on his shirt because he gets up and sits on the bed. And you're like, oh, shit, he's got blood on his shirt. And then he's like, oh, shit, I got blood on my shirt. And then it's 4.50 a.m. And the phone rings in Scully's apartment. And I have to say, Scully's in bed. I am damn sure that was a bed we saw now because I see the headboard on the bed. And I'm pretty sure that we saw in the doorway. When we okay. About that. I'm pretty sure Weird. that was a bed. So, yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on with her apartment. Anyway. She tells him it's almost 5 a.m. and asks where Mulder is. He looks at his room key, which is labeled Hanson Motel 6, and he tells her he thinks he's in a motel room in Providence, Rhode Island, and there's blood all over him. And she asks if he's hurt, and he says he doesn't think so. He doesn't think it's his blood. Uh Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that's not the right theme song. That's in search (laughs) of whatever. 
Yeah, it works. Whatever. It's a theme song. Da, 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 da. Yeah. There we go. X Files. Music. Yay. <laughs> so then we're in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's April 12th at 6:15 a.m. There's lots of dramatic music as Scully drives. Yeah. So Scully drives into the parking lot of the motel where Mulder is staying and parks in front of room six. She knocks on the door and it's unlocked. So she goes inside and we hear the shower running. And she calls for Mulder at the door of the bathroom and asks if he's okay. He says he's trying to get warm. So she goes inside and he's huddled in the shower under the water. Scully tells him he's in shock. So she gets him a towel and she tells him to dry himself off and that she'll get him a blanket. Yeah. And before we go any further, I would just like to point out that Scully was in bed at 4.50 a.m. and arrived at Mulder's motel room in Providence Island at 6.15. And a direct flight from D.C. to Providence is currently 70 to 90 minutes, depending on which airport you fly out of, including like getting ready, getting to the airport, getting a rental car, driving back to the motel. So they kind of fucked up. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a six-hour drive, so she didn't drive right, so for the, sure. No, definitely yeah. not. So she definitely flew, unless like she hopped a UFO or something. <laughs> so out in the motel room, she wraps a blanket around him and asks if he feels sick, and then she asks if he was there alone, but he doesn't know. He can't remember anything. She has him track her finger with his eyes and asks if he knows what day it is, and he does not. So she tells him that it's Sunday, and she asks what the last thing he remembers is. Yep. And then one more thing. <laughs> April 12th was a Saturday in 1997. We know this because, possibly ironically, Synchrony aired on Sunday, April 13th, 1997. So the 12th had to be a Saturday. So maybe Scully doesn't funny. know what day it is either. Yeah. Or, or maybe this doesn't take place in 1997. We don't get years anymore, so we have no well, idea. Well, we did get some 1997 dates earlier in the season. Did we? Okay, so it yeah. should be 97. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they fucked up. All right, anyway. And it's so funny to me because those are things that feel like they're very easy to figure out. Like, you look at a yeah, calendar. Yeah, and like the time thing, too. Yeah, like, I mean, like, yeah, you look at a flight. Because, I mean, if I'm writing something, I don't write a ton anymore. But if I'm writing fiction and I'm having someone fly from, like, New York to San Francisco or, like, anywhere. Like, literally anywhere from Chicago to freaking tokyo like i'll just look it up <laughs> you, you and i realized the internet was not as full of stuff as it is but you could still search things and look for flights i'm pretty sure in 97 you could at least yeah. or you know call a travel agency there mm -hmm. are ways to figure out how long it takes to fly from x to x like it's not hard so stuff that's yeah. really easy to check yeah i agree and it's weird because a lot of the stuff they get wrong is that little kind of dinky shit. Right, I mean, where you could just check it. It shouldn't be hard. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff where it's like, I get why it wasn't a priority, but like also, I don't know, it's not hard to look and figure it out. Yeah, and they are in the same time zone too. So it's not like one of those weird things like, whoa, well, it was actually two hours, but no. Right. So, yeah. So Mulder says the last thing he remembers was being in his apartment and he spoke to Scully on the phone. She tells him that that was on Friday. She says he packed a bag with a change of clothes, which is in the room, but they don't know how long he's been there. She feels his head and asks if he feels pain or if he received a blow to the head. Like, you know, she's kind of checking his skull to like see if anything's tender. Maybe he got hit. But he says no. Then she asks if he took anything. He says no. She grabs the bloody shirt from the bathroom 
And then she asks where his weapon is. He doesn't know. Scully finds it on the dresser and sees that two rounds have been fired. He doesn't remember firing the gun. Mm. So Scully kneels in front of him and tells him that he has to go to a hospital and he needs to be examined by a neurologist. Mulder says if there was a crime committed, he needs to know what happened. She tells him they'll figure it out, but he can't take something like this lightly. If this is being caused by an aneurysm, it could drop him in a second. He finds a set of keys and asks that they're Scully's, but she says no. They have a keychain attached that has the name Amy on it. Hmm. Later, Mulder is dressed and Scully comes back from the front office and tells Mulder that he checked in alone around noon on Saturday. There's no record of calls from his room and no visitors. Mulder wonders how he got there and Scully says he drove. He registered a license plate number with the front office. They find the car and it's a blue sedan. And from outside, Scully can see there's blood on the steering wheel. Mulder's like, that's not my car. So presumably they used the keys that Mulder found to open it. So apparently they're car keys. And Scully finds the registration in the glove box. The car is registered to David Cassandra. He asks who Amy is. Scully says, we'll find out. But first, Mulder needs to be checked out. But he's more worried about whether or not he shot someone. Mm -hmm. And she tells him that he's taking a big risk. And he's like, I know, but the risk is mine. So... (laughs) Then we see a room littered with photographs where one face has been cut out of all of them. And we see a guy at a desk and he's working to cut the face out with an exacto of some more photos. And he's breathing super hard and he's kind of sweaty. And then blood starts dripping down from the center of his forehead onto the photographs. And the face he has been cutting out seems to be his own. Weird. Mm -hmm. So then we're at the Cassandra residence in Providence, Rhode Island. Mulder and Scully knock on the door, and when there's no answer, Mulder starts to open the door with Amy's keys. But then a woman comes to the door, and she says she's not Amy, but she does confirm that this is David and Amy Cassandra's house. She's the housekeeper. Scully flashes her badge. The woman's like, why do you have Amy's keys? Mulder notices a painting of a house behind her and asks if he can take a look at it. And she's like, oh, okay. And she lets them in. I mean, they're FBI. So she's like, sure, I don't know what's going on. I mean, not on, that but... you couldn't fake that badge, but yes, sir. Yeah. Mulder asks who painted it, and the housekeeper tells him that Amy did. Mulder says he knows the house. He's seen it before. And the housekeeper's like, yeah, that's the house Amy grew up in. So she takes them to Amy's studio, and she's like, it's all she paints. And we see on the wall that there are Lots of paintings of the same house from different angles. And we do see some paintings that are not the house, but maybe like outbuildings of the house, like a barn or a shed, or there's like just a lot of stuff, but like different sides of the house too. Or that's not all she paints, but yeah, either one. Mulder says he's been to that house. Scully asks if she knows anything else about it. And the housekeeper says that it's out in Chapachet. Mulder says that's about 20 miles from where they are. His parents had a summer house there when he was a kid. So Mulder and Scully pull up to the house, which looks abandoned. Scully says if Mulder has been there, it doesn't look like it was recently. Mulder flinches in pain and his hand flies to his head and he doubles over. 
He has more visions of his parents arguing and his dad seeing him as a boy and closing the door while they continue to argue. And we see a young cigarette smoking man is there and tells him it's bad to spy. (gasps) Mulder comes to on the ground. Scully asks what happened, saying he clutched his head and then fell. Does he remember? But he only remembers the visions. Mulder tells her he had a vivid flashback to his childhood that felt real, except he was there as an adult to witness it. Scully takes his pulse and says his heart is racing. She thinks he had some kind of seizure or physiological disturbance, an electrical storm in his brain. Mulder asks what brought it on, and Scully says a specialist will have to tell him that. Mulder says he feels really good now, but Scully's like, no, you're you're not good. <laughs> like if passing out randomly and having visions is not a good thing especially when you can't remember what's happened to you over the last couple days Mulder goes inside the house and scully follows he thinks he's been in there before scully asks if it was in his childhood the house is dusty with cobwebs everywhere and everything's covered but not with plastic what's going on x files (laughs) some people don't cover their furniture in plastic i don't know they're just giving us some Uh, oh yeah maybe this this isn't a molder related covering (laughs) this is yeah other people who use just fabric covers or whatever yeah molder goes to check upstairs scully heads deeper into the house she sees something and calls molder's name there's a woman on the floor with a large blood stain on her sweater scully says she has a gunshot wound in her heart She must be Amy Cassandra. We see a man's body curled up and facing the wall with a similar bloodstain on his back. Mulder goes over to it and turns the body over, and he and Scully stare at each other. And then it's commercial. And yeah, just go over and touch that dead body, Mulder. Good job. (laughs) You're not destroyed. I know. It's like you don't know what happened here. And like, I know you're trying to figure it out, but like, ooh. You're not yeah. helping your case. If, if you're not sure if you killed people, you. don't touch the dead bodies. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sa- sound advice. I have to say the vision sequences are done really well. Maybe because like some cross pollination from Millennium. Could be no, Millennium. maybe. Yeah. Because they do so, kind of feel like the Millennium. But they're they're vision. they're done really well. Like just the, like the, the visual effects and also like the sound design on them. It, it mm-hmm. done really good. Also, we're getting a different young Mulder than we saw prominently in Little Green Men, which is a little incongruent because we're still using the same young Samantha actress, and the two almost look the same age at this point. Actually, she is, looks like she might be a little bit older than the dude they got playing. Yeah. It's kind of weird. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's older Samantha. So, like, I wrote, like, she was a teenager now or whatever. And then I realized that she's, like, not supposed to be. No. It's just that she, the actress, the actress has is getting up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, and they're using kids at that age where, like, six months can make a dramatic difference. Yeah. And this has been oh, a couple of years. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, she definitely looks, like, pre-teeny, like, 12, 13-ish now. And so she mm-hmm. looks a little bigger than uh, she did originally. But we're just yeah. going to hand wave it and not worry about it because uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But the Don't guy they had it. playing Mulder at this point is probably, like, 16 or 17. So it right. definitely probably was not going to pass as, like, young 12-year-old Mulder. So, right. Yeah. So the house is now swarming with people. Most of them police, actually probably all of them police. And we see a coroner putting the bodies in the van. And Scully goes over to Mulder, who's sitting in the car. 
and says the detective wants to ask him some questions, but she told them about his condition and he doesn't have to speak to them if he doesn't want to. And he jokes about like, oh, without my attorney present. And she says she refuses to believe he had any part in this. But he says those people's blood was on his shirt, which I don't know that we've determined that at this point. But, no, I think yeah. he's just assuming because where else would the blood have come from? Yeah. And he's been missing for two days with no memory of that time. Two rounds were discharged from his gun and he had Amy's keys and car. And then he's like, do the words Orenthal James Simpson mean anything to you? And I was just like, hey, now, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> so, but on, I mean, OJ Simpson totally killed Nicole Brown Simpson. And uh huh. So, yeah. Yeah, a very rare case of celebrity trumping systemic racism, no doubt, probably in part to systemic misogyny. So so I just want to say, like, if you are interested in the OJ case, there's a really, really good documentary. I might have mentioned it on this podcast before, but it's called Made in America. It was on ESPN of all places, but it's like five parts, I think. And it's really, really good because it does go into like all the systemic racism that like, you know, in the area, in the Los Angeles area before, like just the historical situation and then up to when OJ was born. And it talks about his role in society and like how he tried to like get away from being a black guy and that kind of thing. And like, it just, I mean, it's a really fascinating documentary and it does go over the murder. There are some very graphic shots of Nicole's body, so just be aware of that. Like they do show everything and she was mostly decapitated. So it's I was going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, I think she was like, he, almost completely he basically cut her head off. It was vicious, but like, it's a, it's a really good documentary about like racism in America and how like the OJ murders fit into that. And it's, it's really fascinating. So if you're interested in that, highly recommend it. But again, it is a bit of a hard watch because they also show like neighborhoods that were burned down, like full, you know, cause black people live there and just like all sorts of horrible stuff that has gone on in this country mm -hmm. of ours. Yeah, we have a really cool history. I mean, when we learned how to have air forces and stuff, we basically did trial runs on black neighborhoods and bombed them. So yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, not great. We're we got a lot to atone for white America. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. And I mean, Tory said he totally killed like, uh, I'm sorry, he did it. Everyone. everyone oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. There's oh, he no... absolutely is guilty. Yeah. 100 percent. There's yeah, no, one no matter else. what the official. And if you look was... at the actual evidence, like, yeah, it was 100 percent him and there's no way it wasn't. And the documentary does go into that, too. And there's there's a lot of interesting stuff about that. Yeah. But yeah, it's. But it is weird because he was a black man and you would think like, holy shit, especially like in Los Angeles, like he's screwed. Right. He's going up the river. But well, that's that, what the documentary kind of talks about is how like some yeah. of the jury were black and felt like they were using OJ to kind of get back at the system. And like it wasn't like against Nicole and Ron necessarily. It was just like a win for you know and there's just a lot of stuff that went into it because and you know obviously the science was bad marcia clark has a great book about what happened too which i think is really fascinating and there's just a lot of stuff that went wrong and obviously mark Furman. i mean there's just so many things oh, we God, could go you could be here all day but like there's just and again systemic racism it's a cop who's planning evidence on black people and has a history of it so of course like everything he gathered is no longer fucking valid and it's just like just so much shit that went down to like get OJ to that point. But yeah, he definitely is guilty 100%. So, yeah. Well, and then, and then there's the whole media aspect of it too. Yes, um, that too. There's a lot of that as well. And yeah. he was, a, you know, famous football player. People didn't want to believe he could do it and just all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Well, so. just the trial too. Like that was one of the first, if not the first big like televised trial kind of thing, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. yeah. 
so yeah just a whole bunch of shit on that trail it's very fascinating there's a lot of really good stuff out there about it but yeah <laughs> yeah i think we have talked about and you may have mentioned that at one point i don't remember when but i think i think we have talked about oj before i think we have i think it's come up before so yeah sorry if you're like wow you guys won't shut up about oj <laughs> yeah well, I just think it's really interesting. It's really it's a piece of our history and it's really fascinating, but it's obviously a really tragic story and two people were tragically murdered and lost their lives and that just sucks. So. Yeah. Also, domestic abuser who then kills his yes. wife. Like it yeah. is like a documented thing that domestic abuse occurred. Oh yeah, Nicole had photos and stuff and yeah. 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 And, so and there were police records and It yeah. is something that should have not happened if anything had actually been done in the past. So. Right, to protect her, which unfortunately was not. So, yeah. Basically, it's a failure all around. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Just like everything in this country. Anyway. God damn it. So, right. uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, that was a depressing tangent. Anyway, <laughs> back to the X Files. So, the detective, Detective Curtis. <laughs> Oh my god, I've lost it. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. So Detective Curtis comes over and asks Mulder how he's feeling. And he's kind of sarcastic. And Mulder is like, I'm confused. And Curtis asks him what brought him to the house. And Mulder says he think he may have come here as a kid. His parents had a summer house nearby. And Curtis asks if he knows anything about David or Amy Cassandra. And Mulder says he doesn't remember ever meeting them. Curtis is incredulous, arguing that he's saying he never saw them before, but he used their keys to enter their home and found them dead. He's like, we've got a lot of fingerprints, some bloody inside. Is this the story you want to stick with? And Mulder's like, for now... So Curtis asks him if he wants to come down to the station to elaborate. And Scully is like, he's not going anywhere but a hospital. And Curtis is like, fine, but I suggest that he ride with us. We'll all go to the hospital. So Scully tells Mulder not to say anything else until she has a chance to look at the bodies. And then Mulder follows Curtis to his car. So. Mm -hmm. And Detective Curtis is played by Jay. It's either Akovan or Akovani who will appear in two more episodes in season eight as a character named Duffy Haskell. He's also been in single episodes of Charmed, Monk, Criminal Minds, and Leverage, among others. Ooh, and there was an explanation point on this note, so. Yeah, because Leverage is in I was going to say probably because of Leverage. Well, and Monk, too. I do love Monk a lot as well, so, yeah. 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 So in the morgue, a medical examiner stands over a medical exam table and lists off Amy's stats and says the preliminary cause of death appears to be a gunshot wound. Scully is in there with him, and he continues to talk about the wound and that it was likely point blank, and Scully finds a strange bloody mark near Amy's forehead. She asks the ME if he saw it, and he says from scabbing it looks like a pre-existing superficial puncture. Scully pulls the scab off and examines the wound, which is kind of gross. Well, there's like this chunk of... Nasty. Anyway, she tells him in addition to the autopsy, he should do a cranial exam. And he's like, it's obvious why they died. And she agrees. <laughs> but that she's more interested in why they died. Ooh. Yeah. 
And I don't know about everywhere, but I think in a lot of places, if someone is murdered, it is standard procedure to do like a full autopsy. So, because you, again, you want all the facts, right? Obviously they were shot, but what else, you know? And the Emmy is played by Andrew Johnston, who you may remember as Lieutenant Colonel Budahas in season one, episode two, Deep Throat. He was also Special Agent Barry Weiss in season two, episodes 16 and 17, Colony and Endgame. And he also played coroner John Tassini in the Millennium Season 1, Episode 11, Weeds. Yeah, so similar job. Similar job to this one. Yeah, this might be the same character. We don't know. Probably not. I think Probably that's not. the one where they were in that gated neighborhood. And oh, that was supposed to in, be like in Tacoma, I think. It was in Tacoma, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that would, he would not be in D.C. This would be in, well, this would be Rhode Island. So. Oh, Rhode Island. Still across yeah. the country. Um, Unless he transferred is... after that because Frank Black spooked him and he's like, oh, scary. <laughs> it's possible. Because it was kind of a similar scene where like Frank Black was like, hey, you need to do this. And he was like, why? Because I said so. You need to do a better job. And he's like, okay, fine. And like, Witten did the, so he may have been like, fuck this. I'm leaving. Anyway. Anyway, this is his final appearance on the X-Files. So we will not be seeing him again. Oh. So Mulder is in an interrogation room with gauze taped to his arm. So presumably he had blood work at the hospital. And Curtis comes in and sets a paper bag on the table, asking if Mulder has jogged his memory. Mulder says no. Curtis says the bag is evidence that contradicts Mulder's story. He'd like to believe this memory lapse of Mulder's is real. He does not sound like he would like to believe it. And that he murdered the Cassandras in some fit of blind insanity. Mulder's like, what's in the bag? And Curtis is like, it's not your gun, which their preliminary analysis shows is the murder weapon. Mm. So he lets Mulder open the bag and Mulder pulls out his bloody shirt. Curtis says there are two types of blood on it, which match Amy's and David's. Can Mulder explain how the blood of two people he doesn't know got on his shirt? Mulder asks about the fingerprints if they were his. Curtis doesn't answer. Mulder tells him he's not going to get a confession out of him because he doesn't remember. So Curtis starts reciting his Miranda rights and Mulder kind of leans back and closes his eyes like. This is a really good scene of why you should never talk to the police. Yes. Oh, God. 100 percent. Like he's (laughs) he's lying to him. He's not answering questions. Yeah, it's like I'm like he's trying to get him to say something and like intimidate him into saying stuff so mm-hmm. i mean i oh Mulder and scully are basically cops too i get it yes but, i mean they are yeah so but we're but rooting still, for them so we're pretending that it's different they're acting outside <laughs> of the rules so yeah <laughs> yeah anyway later Mulder is in an orange jumpsuit about to be booked scully tells him she's going to get him out of there and she asks if he made a confession and he says only to my own ignorance Scully tells Curtis she has evidence that he may not be guilty. Amy Cassandra had ketamine in her system and it can cause hallucinations. She checked Mulder's blood work at the hospital and he had traces of the same drug in his system. Mulder asked how it got there. Scully says she believes it was injected. There was a small injection wound on Amy's right hip. She thinks if Mulder is examined again, they'll find a puncture wound on him. Curtis asks who injected them. Scully doesn't know, but the presence of such a drug could explain Mulder's memory loss and the blackouts. 
Curtis says with all the other evidence, he thinks that's all it explains. And he goes back to what he was doing. Mulder whispers to Scully that she doesn't have to do this. But Scully doesn't think there's enough to point to his guilt unless someone can prove he was holding the gun when it went off. The narrative is too convenient and the drugs in his system suggest alternatives. Curtis comes back to take Mulder and Scully tells him that he's jailing an innocent man. Isn't ketamine the stuff that police are injecting people with and causing them to die currently? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know there had been deaths because like they were struggling. So they're like, going around just fucking injecting people. And then, Oh God, have, like, that's horrible. Yeah. I don't think I'd heard that. But I, yeah, I mean, I could see it causing. No, there are definitely problems. a couple of cases of that where yeah, they've, they've injected. Usually black people. Because oh, yeah. They're, I mean, that, because they're that super tracks. disruptive. And then, yeah, and then they have like going to cardiac arrest and die. Because so. anything, anything a person of color, especially a black person, does in police custody is somehow aggressive and wrong. Can't fucking yeah. win. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's ketamine. Because police are racist assholes. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's anyway. terrible. Yeah. Well, also, isn't. No, that it's it's a what's the one what's the big thing that everyone is all like you could touch it and you'll have like a fentanyl um, fentanyl yeah fentanyl is the one that like, the police are like everyone's got fentanyl and they're trying to kill us with it by putting yeah, it on not, stuff that, oh god I know I have friends who have chronic pain and like getting medication for their pain is like so like it's just so much more rigorous and so much more work than it really should be for people who like need that kind of stuff because of all this like fear-mongering and nonsense like it's just really frustrating yeah and also police need to make sure they seem like they're always under attack so they can get more money mm -hmm. and more weapons and cover their badge numbers and cover their faces when they're doing stuff so you can't know who they are which is that that's super cool nice yeah like, you know mm. an unknown militia just running through your town that's awesome yeah, no, anyway it's... boy mm. people are gonna love this episode is this episode coming out around 4th of July? Because I feel like this should be our 4th of July special. <laughs> <laughs> we do love America, but it has problems. A lot of them. Well, I don't know that. I mean, I don't know that. I mean, it's I don't think police are an only an American problem. Just no, but I feel like here it's UK. definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's just a very uniquely bad situation here based, again, on our history of racism and systemic problems. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to the episode. I mean, their job was breaking <laughs> unions and collecting slaves. So that's what the police were for. And that's kind of what they're still for. So, mm -hmm. yep. Anyway, the officer who was taking Curtis's forms comes out of the room and walks past Scully. And he sits down in an empty jail cell and he looks at a photo that has his face cut out of it. <gasps> and he takes out his gun and he's sweaty and he's frowning. And he is the man we saw earlier cutting photos. And then a gunshot goes off and Scully turns around because she's getting ready to leave. And people rush to the cell and they find the officer slumped over and there's blood everywhere, including behind his head against the wall. Scully says he's a doctor and rushes into the cell. She feels for a pulse and then announces that he's dead. Then she notices a strange scab near his hairline, like the one Amy had. Scully says she needs to speak with Detective Curtis right now. Dun -dun. Good thing he didn't totally like blow his head off because then she wouldn't have seen that. So. Right, yeah. Although I'm not sure that he shot himself in the head. Yeah, we don't really. You would assume so, but yeah, it could yeah. have been like in the neck or something. I don't know. So, yeah. Anyway, at the dead officer's desk in his home, Scully and Curtis are there. And Scully asks if he had a history of mental illness because there's photos everywhere with right. faces cut out. So, yep. 
you're like, oh, has he had a history of mental illness? Because this looks weird. Something's going on with him, right? Yeah. I mean, he obviously, obviously, I mean, he just took his own life. But like, yeah. Yeah. Curtis tells her he'd been remanded to a desk job after his partner complained about his tendency towards extreme irritability and confabulation of the truth. I would think maybe you should just not let him have that job anymore. (laughs) Police is like the one job where you can fuck up and they'll just like pay you to take vacation. It's like it's almost like an incentive to do bad stuff because then you get paid for not working. It's great. Anyway, Scully looks at the photos where he cut himself out of them and then also the drops of blood that we saw when his forehead started bleeding. And Curtis said he'd become a joke on the force, you know, the kind who believes in extraterrestrials. <laughs> Scully gestures to the photos and asks if it means anything to him. And he's really super dismissive. And then Scully finds a magazine called Abductee. And on the cover is a photo of Amy Cassandra. Connection. Yeah. And Scully says that both Amy and the officer had puncture wounds at the top of their right frontal lobe. She thinks Officer knew of Amy and somehow his suicide is linked to her death, which makes Scully think they might not even be dealing with a murder, but maybe something else, like a suicide pact. <gasps> Curtis is like, well, you're going to have to prove it to me. So, <laughs> Curtis is not going to buy anything but Mulder is guilty unless he is forced yeah. to. He has found his man, I mean, case closed, you, you, paperwork In a done. way, you can't blame him. He is written to be a dick, but at the same time, like if you just were given this information on a sheet of paper and didn't know any of these people, you'd be like, yeah, this guy probably killed those people. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. That is true. But he's also like, oh, this other stuff? It doesn't matter. We know that he killed them. So, yeah. So that's yeah. kind of bad. Anyway, yeah, in his good. jail cell, Mulder has another flashback where he sees his father arguing with the cigarette smoking man. And then he, as a boy, climbs up to the loft and he sees Samantha. And then his mother's all like, my baby. And then Mulder wakes up. <laughs> And he rattles the bar, and he shouts for a guard. He's like, guard, I need to talk to someone. Guard! And then it's commercial. And also, like, Mrs. Mulder, in both of Mulder's flashbacks, like when she's arguing with her husband, she, like, hits her husband. Like, my baby! And she smacks him. And then here, when she's saying that, she's actually, like, beating on, like, you know, like how you see, like, in movies, like when women go up to men and then she's all, like, oh, 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 beating on their chest, and the men just stand there like nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. She's doing that in this scene, too. Yeah. Yeah. She's very upset. Yeah. But it was commercial. And then we're going to come back. So Scully and Curtis are led into the prison. Curtis tells her, according to the corrections officer, Mulder kept everyone awake last night demanding to talk to Scully. Scully is led to Mulder's cell and let in. She tells Curtis she needs to speak to him alone and the cell door is closed behind her. Mulder tells her he didn't kill those people. Scully knows, and she thinks she has enough proof to get him out of there. The blood spatter pattern on his shirt doesn't match the point of entry for the shooting. In fact, Curtis has gathered enough evidence that he's going to make a statement that the Cassandras were part of a murder-suicide. And Mulder says, but I was there. And he doesn't remember why. Oh, so Curtis has come around. Yeah, I guess Curtis has apparently figured out that, okay, well... Yeah. Also, Scully says blood splatter. That's not the right word. It's spatter. So, yes. Tori's good at it. She wrote the right word in her notes. Good <laughs> job, Tori. I probably heard the right word too because I probably wasn't, you know, not that I wasn't paying attention, but you know, when you expect someone to say something and so you just kind of hear, mm-hmm. yeah, what they yeah. should be saying. Yeah. Scully tells him that Amy believes she was an alien abductee. Mulder says, and I contacted her because obviously, like, she thinks she was abducted by aliens. There's a connection right there, but boom. Yep. 
And Scully believes so. According to an article on Amy, Amy had begun psychiatric treatment that was meant to help her recover her past. The repetitive behavior in her paintings was an expression of that treatment. Mulder asks why shoot herself and her husband then, but Scully doesn't know. She tells him about the officer who shot himself and how he was receiving the same psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. She believes they both suffer from something called Waxman-Geschwin syndrome, the symptoms of which include a trance-like state leading to vivid dreams about the past that are more detailed than conscious memory. Mulder asks what he was doing there and why he didn't do anything to stop it. But Scully doesn't know. She tells him she's arranged for his arraignment in an hour, and by then she thinks she and Curtis will have enough evidence for him to be released. Mulder says he still needs to know why. <gasps> and I just realized I did not look up Waxman-Gershwin syndrome, because yeah. um, we know sometimes they kind of ascribe things to syndromes or diseases that aren't true. I should have mm-hmm. looked it up, but I actually didn't. Yeah, I didn't even think about it, but yeah. yeah. So might not be an accurate portrayal of that disease. <laughs> yeah. Then we're in Warwick, Rhode Island. For such a small state, there are a lot of places in Rhode Island, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Scully parked terribly at the psychologist's office where Amy is being treated. So, Like, no, her car is like <laughs> literally, okay, listen, I am terrible at parking. I have like a thing and I, I mean, I have a, I have a bad thing. I also have OCD, I mentioned before. And sometimes I will spend way too long trying to get my car like straighter between the lines because I get really, I don't know. I have a thing about parking. I'm super neurotic, but like, she's like. And sometimes it does. I end up really crooked and sometimes I'm like in a rush and I have to walk away and it haunts me. But like this is so crooked that her car is like sideways almost like that is a big that is a big parking space because you're right there. She's like almost diagonal and yet mm-hmm. far enough away from the car next to her. And then the space next to her is blank. But when you look at the line, there is space like she wouldn't be impeding anyone from getting in or out of their car. That is a big space. It's almost like it's a like a handicapped space or something. It's not, but it's like that is a big parking space. Yeah, but so. why she parks like that? I mean, I get that she's in a hurry. Maybe that's supposed to denote that. But to me, I'm just like, oh, my God, just straighten out a little. It'll take you three seconds. <laughs> anyway, okay, just throw me a little crazy. So so I had to put that in there. because Yeah, that was Tori's note. As we know, uh-huh. Tori writes the X-Files summaries most of the time mm-hmm. and puts in her positive Scully spin, which I then go through it. <laughs> if i can listen i so. love scully so i just i don't understand why she parked like that but i love her i guess in a hurry i guess is the point yeah but, later i was gonna sign some numbers for her face but I oh yeah i actually <laughs> haven't come up with a systematic like numbering system um, okay. that was the you joke of like that. she has like a set number of faces she makes and so i was gonna number them i never really did so i fight i could just make i don't think that's okay. true of most people though like i feel like i have like three faces and they're probably not nice ones it's <laughs> probably like one nice one Okay. <laughs> I don't know. She's an actor. She's getting paid more per episode than I make in a year, probably. So I, I would probably. expect more. Probably. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But probably less than Mulder. All right. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> oh, we know for sure less than Mulder. <laughs> David Duchovny. Sorry. Mulder sorry, has not David earned Duchovny. any money for this. And Jillian Anderson, not Scully. Yes, we should. Yes. Use All right. Correct, yes. The sorry. correct names they, when we're talking about people. They are real people. Characters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know Scully makes mean. nothing per episode, as far as we know, because <laughs> she's a real Not person. Real. She gets an FBI salary. We could probably look it up because she's a public employee. Anyway, she asked Mulder if he's been there before. 
and Mulder spots his car across the parking lot. So apparently Mulder actually has a car. Yes. I didn't know that either of them had a car. I thought they just like got rental cars. Well, I don't know if he's referring to the like his car as the car that he drove or if he actually owns a car because I feel like he just pulls them out of the FBI motor pool. So I think when he says his car, he means the car that he had pulled from the motor pool. Oh, he might actually have like it's... a permanently assigned car too from the FBI. Yeah. He might, oh. because, like, we saw him in earlier episodes getting a car, so, like, we know that he gets them from the motor pool, but yeah, I don't know. so he might just have one as, an, like, an Or he might just be he... referring to the one that he's driving currently. Like, if I rent a car, and I'm, like, on vacation or something, and I'm in the parking lot, and my friend is like, where are you parked? I'm like, that's my car over there. Like, you know, Yeah, except he doesn't car. remember shit, so that would be weird. But, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So, so maybe, yeah, that's but yeah, it may point. be like an assigned car from the FBI that he normally gets, you know. Yeah, and he knows. Okay, that yeah, would that make sense makes... that they maybe have like you mm-hmm. know for like local shit. You just you always get this car, like it's it's yours kind of thing. Best if you're using it a lot. I don't know. I don't know if I can know how the FBI works. <laughs> yeah, me neither, and I'm not sure that the X Files predators do either. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we know they consult with the FBI. On I know. A semi-regular basis. I was mostly so. joking. Oh, sorry. I'm. Anyway, inside, they talk to Dr. Charles Goldstein. Mulder asks if they've met, and Goldstein says he doesn't believe so. Scully tells him they're there investigating the deaths of David and Amy Cassandra, and they understand Amy was a patient of his. He says he was sad to learn of their death. She was a troubled woman who struggled with an unfortunate period of darkness. Scully asks if he's referring to her belief that she was abducted by aliens. Goldstein says his treatment was an aggressive method for her to access buried or repressed memories. And Mulder asks what he means by aggressive. Goldstein says he uses a method of therapy that stimulates the electrical impulse in the brain using light and sound. Scully asks if he used the same treatment on police officer Michael Fazekas. He says yes. Scully tells him that he shot himself last night. Goldstein seems shocked. <gasps> yeah, I would be too if two of my patients had killed themselves within a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Mulder asks if this is an approved form of medical treatment, and Goldstein says it's unconventional but non-invasive. So he's starting to get defensive a little bit. Mm-hmm. Scully asks if he knew Amy had Waxman-Gershwin syndrome. He says it's not necessarily a destructive condition, and Amy experienced periods of extreme happiness and creativity after a treatment. Mulder asks if he had any idea Amy might take her own life, and he says no. And he says he has a fantastic professional reputation and they can look it up. And Mulder's like, we don't need to. And he leaves. And then Scully <laughs> just looks at him and is like, I know what you do. And then she leaves too. So. I do, I do kind of like it because he's already like freaked out now. And then she's just like <laughs> putting the fear of God into him a little. I don't know. I liked that. I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. So outside the office, Mulder says he's been there before. He met with Goldstein and Amy, and Scully says she thinks it's not all that Goldstein is lying about. She believes he administered the ketamine to both Mulder and Amy, and Mulder's blackout the result of the treatment. Scully asks him why he'd undergo treatment like this, and Mulder then suddenly has another sharp pain and clutches his head. <laughs> Good timing. Good timing. Yeah, and he remembers seeing his mom with the cigarette-smoking man, and the cigarette-smoking man is, like, holding her close and grabbing her face, and she looks kind of scared. Mulder comes around and insists he's fine. And Scully's like, you're not fine. You need to go home and rest until your symptoms stop. Or maybe go to a hospital because, like, you're having some major cerebral issues. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Mulder says he doesn't want them to stop. He's remembering things about why Samantha was abducted. And it's becoming clear to him. And he needs to know. 
and he wants the key so he can go to his mother's house in Greenwich. Scully agrees, but says that she's driving. Mm-hmm. You are having some issues. I don't know if you're having a seizure while you're driving, Mulder. Uh, no kidding. Like, not not smart. Yeah. I mean, he did go to the hospital. We know he was examined. They didn't find the puncture wound, though, so maybe not super thoroughly. But, like... What puncture wound? What are you talking about? <laughs> so, at Mulder's mom's house, Tina Mulder opens the door for them. Mulder tells Tina that she kept things from him. She's like, what's going on? Scully tells her that Mulder has undergone a treatment that he believes has helped him remember things. And Tina's like, what things? Mulder says she told him when they took Sam, she had to make a choice. But Mulder says that wasn't how it happened. It wasn't her choice to make. She asks what he wants to hear. He says he needs to know what happened that night in Quantikatog, and he needs to speak with her privately. So they go into another room, And he says the man who worked with his father, the cigarette smoking man, came to the house and forced her to choose Samantha. He accuses her of betraying his father and having some kind of relationship with the cigarette smoking man. She's like, no, no. And he's like, yes, he yells. And she says, never. And he pushes. And so she slaps him. And Mulder's like, who's my father? Which, wow, that is, I mean... This is some Maury Povich family drama here. And she says she won't tolerate this. And then she tells him that he's bleeding. And he reaches up and he touches the wound near his hairline. So that would be the aforementioned puncture mark. Yeah, I can't believe that Scully did not check Mulder's forehead. Like, I'm just going to say how, <laughs> like, all you have to do is lift up those, like, fluffy bangs of his and, like, look under yeah. there. Like, I don't understand how that wasn't a thing that immediately got done. But anyway. Yeah. Also, it's been a while since so we got to see Mulder yell at his mom, so. I know, God. Okay. <laughs> Man, they have a really At least he didn't, like, grab her face this time like he did before, like, everything. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Wake her up in the middle of the night by her bed, start yelling at her. <laughs> So Tina storms upstairs, justifiably upset, and Scully opens the door to the room they were in and finds it empty. So even Mulder is gone. (laughs) She looks out the window in time to see the car they drove there speed away. So Mulder's being great to everyone right now, just abandoning (laughs) Scully at his mom's house after, like, attacking her for cheating on his dad. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, and his mom is all like, you want to kill him again? Like, by, like, slandering his name and stuff. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she's not happy. And it's commercial. Yeah. So. Then it's 9.25 p.m. Goldstein is putting filing box in the trunk of his car. I wonder what could be in that file box. Gee, I don't know. Mulder pulls up and gets out of his car. He demands to know what Goldstein did to him. And Mulder says he knows he asked him to treat him to help him remember his past. And Goldstein's like, I did nothing wrong. And Mulder says, you put a hole in my head. And Goldstein says, I helped you to access your memories. And Mulder's like, yes. And now I want you to finish the job. Listen, I have said this before and I'll say it again. Mulder is a very rational person when it comes to like even like aliens and UFOs and like supernatural stuff. Like he is extremely like looking for actual proof. He wants to believe, 
But like there are a lot of times he's kind of skeptical about like psychics and stuff. Like he can be extremely rational when Sam is involved. Like it's no holds barred. That guy just goes off the rails. So like he has no sense of logic or reason once that is the situation. Yeah. Since I started seeing you, I'm having blackouts and not remembering things and people are turning up dead. But I want you to keep going. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know. It's like all his logic just flies out the window, like an emotion takes over and he can't, he can't take it. So yeah. Back in the office, Goldstein puts a green liquid into a syringe and Mulder says, let's do it. And he ejects Mulder in the butt with what we're assuming is ketamine. Could be alien blood because it's all green. <laughs> we don't know. I don't know what color ketamine is supposed to be. But that's immediately Got what I thought. Either. I'm like, the doctor is an alien shapeshifter. But anyway. That would have been cool, actually. But that is not the case. Yeah. Well, we don't know. I mean, well, that's true. Mm. Yeah. And then he helps Mulder sit into a chair. Probably because his butt's sore from getting shot in the butt with alien blood or ketamine. And then he puts headphones on Mulder and then like these like VR glasses over his face. And then he hits the button to make sound and light start in the headphones and the eyepieces. And we see like underneath the eyepieces, we can see like lights flashing and stuff. And then Mulder has his flashback, seeing snippets of memories from earlier. And then he starts like, not like super convulsing, but he is like shaking and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So Goldstein straps him down. And then in the memories, Mulder sees a bright light from when Sam was taken and the door opening and the little Stratego pieces all bouncing around on this thing. And then we see Goldstein and he puts a drill bit into a drill and he starts to drill in the Mulder skull. So he doesn't strap Mulder's head down though, which I'm like, right before he starts drilling, we see Mulder's head like kind of moving. And I'm like, holy shit, like put that in one place. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem good anyway, but it doesn't seem like the best way to do it. Yeah, I don't know about drilling into people's heads. I'm not sure that's ever something you just want to do. Mm-mm. No, let the spirits not. out. What are you doing? So, <laughs> it does seem um, up until the drilling in the head part, it does seem like this might be like a form of like EMDR, which I kind of always assumed had to do with lights because it's about like your eye movements and you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But from what I read after looking into it, it doesn't actually seem like they do use lights. They just have any like track fingers and stuff. So, oh, interesting. Um, okay, I actually almost I w- when I was looking to find a therapist. I looked into EMDR, and from what I read about it, I kind of just automatically assumed, based on the descriptions of it being like the eye movement stuff and helping with trauma and PTSD and that kind of thing is what it's mainly used for. Mm-hmm. I kind of just assumed it was like you would put goggles on and it was like lights moving, and so it would, it would do that. But apparently it doesn't, so I was wrong. Anyway, then we see police cars pull up into the parking lot, and police burst into the room, including Curtis, who tells them to arrest Goldstein. And we see Goldstein like, getting ready to take some gloves off and the chair was Mulder sitting in is empty, but there's blood on the headrest. Oh no. And Curtis is like, where's Mulder? And they're like, take them gloves. They're probably evidence. So yeah. And I'm like, did he drill completely through his head? Like why is there know. blood on the back of the head? I mean, I know he didn't cause that, that drill bit was like maybe like an inch long, but like, why would there be blood on the back? I, it's, it's TV. I know, but still it's like, that's weird. I know. Yeah, it is. So Scully pulls into the parking lot and marches up to Curtis, asking where Mulder is. Curtis says he's not there, and Goldstein won't say. Scully yells at them to stop the car with Goldstein. She opens the door and demands to know what he did to Mulder. She knows Mulder came here. She's like, did you treat him? She's like yelling. She's really keyed up. And he's silent. So she grabs him and she's like, damn it, answer me. Goldstein admits he did, but he doesn't know where he went. Scully's like, what's the last thing he said to you? And Goldstein says, he said he was going to go exercise his demons. 
Ooh. And then we're at Quantocatog, Rhode Island. And we see the Mulder Summer House is surrounded by cops peering through the bushes. Scully pulls up and talks to the point man. Someone is inside as a light came on moments ago, he tells her. She tells him the man inside is an armed federal agent in need of medical attention and he's not himself. She's going to go in there. If Mulder flees the house, he needs to tell his officers not to shoot. So Scully goes inside and she walks around and it's mostly dark inside. And so she calls Mulder's name and he calls back, leave me alone, Scully. We see Mulder sitting in another room with his eyes closed. And Scully comes in and again, he tells her to leave him alone. And then we see flashes of his memory and Sam with the cigarette smoking man and the board game shaking the night Sam was abducted and Sam floating out the window. And Mulder looks pained, but he says it's all falling into place. Scully tells him to put down the gun. Back in his memory, Sam is floating. Then a photo of her shatters, and the young cigarette smoking man is there. Scully steps towards him, and Mulder draws his gun, aiming it at her. She asks if he's going to shoot her, if that's how much this means to him. She tells him he's been given a powerful hallucinogen. He can't know if these memories are his. And he's like, shut up! You know, like, he doesn't want to hear that this isn't real. He wants to feel like he's discovering the truth. She tells him to put down the gun and let it go. And then outside, the police hear gunfire. Pow, pow, pow. And they rush the house, and we see Mulder firing his gun. And then he just slumps forward and passes out. But Scully is behind him. And then she walks over and she lays her head on his back. Aww. So later, Scully is typing up her report. She says, though Mulder was cleared of any wrongdoing in the death of the Cassandras, Mulder still has no recollection of the events that led to their deaths. His seizures have stabilized with no evidence of permanent cerebral damage. But Scully is concerned this experience will have a lasting effect. Mulder undertook the treatment trying to reclaim his past, but if that knowledge remains elusive... And it's only by knowing where he's been that he can hope to understand where he's going. Then Scully fears Mulder may lose his course and the truths he's been seeking from his childhood may continue to elude him, driving him forward in an impossible pursuit. Wow, did Chris Carter write this part? <laughs> also, if I was Skinner, I would lose my mind reading this flowery <laughs> crap that she's constantly writing. Like, my God. I mean, maybe, maybe these reports are going to Blevins. <laughs> I don't know. No. Well, no. That <laughs> no, I know. I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I know. Yeah. No, it hasn't. Yeah. Anyway, we haven't seen Blevins recently, but we're going to shortly. We are. We are about to. Yeah. yeah. So I was jumping ahead a little bit. I was like, oh, wait, hasn't he? Um. Uh. Yeah. But no, not yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, how are they allowed to still be active FBI agents at this point? Like Scully has been abducted. She's got cancer. She's bleeding. Like, Mulder is freaked out multiple times and, like, tried to shoot his partner. She shot him. Like, he's got a hole drilled in his head. Like, how are they still FBI agents? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is the recruiting pool so shallow that they're like, well, we can't let him go. We'll be short-staffed. Like, come on. I don't know. Skinner's probably covering their tracks a lot. 
Um, He's doing a lot of work behind the scenes to keep them employed. I don't know. And then going back to the um, the alien blood that the, it's probably supposed to be ketamine again. I don't know what color ketamine is, but yes, it's it very is like bright ketamine, green. Yeah. We have uh, still yet to address the fact that Mulder got black oiled in Tuguska. I know, I know, it hasn't come up again. So I don't know if it was just too little to have an effect. I don't know. I mean, it covered his eyes. It w- was in there. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah, been black oiled. So. Unless we're supposed to assume because he got the shot that it it worked, and so he not I don't know. I think it'd be cool if they like had ejected him, like drilled to his head, and a little black shit came out. That'd be funny. That would, would be funny. Funny, yeah. but it would have been it would have been would been cool. good. Yeah, yeah. So, and we talked about it a little bit, but they really need. I mean, they actually are. They're going to get a new Sam here. I think she's only going to be in one more episode. Uh, Vanessa Morley, the mm-hmm. actress who plays Sam, I think she's only in one more episode, and they're going to get another person who's more to the right age because like in the scene with the cigarette smoking man she's barely like a head shorter than him she's basically as tall as scully at this point which was super creepy because she's supposed to be like eight years old but in the scene with the little flashback where because she's like she leans against him and puts her head against this young cigarette smoking man's chest and it looks almost like like she's his underage girlfriend it's kind of creepy yeah Um, i I did not see it that way but she does look too old to be yeah well even more creepy i checked She's actually only 11 when this was filmed. But right, she, but... She looks like 14 or something. Yeah, well, because she's like, you know, and kids age differently, and she's definitely shot up like a weed. So, yeah, she yeah. definitely looks like she's 13-ish. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But they are they are going to change mm-hmm. actors for Sam here. I think she's... Yeah, she's only in one more episode. Right. Wait, one more or two more? I don't know. But it's... Yeah, yeah. they do eventually. It's whatever. Out. I don't know if she's in both of the next... The next episode is the season finale, and then, of course, season finales are two-parters. And so I don't know if she's in both parts or not. I know she's in one of them. So, right. But that's going to be the last time we see her. So this actress. We'll, we will see Sam again, of course. Because yes, we will. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So She yeah. is Mulder's driving force and motivation. So, yes, mm-hmm. she is important. Plus, I mean, the show comes back, like, 20 years from now, almost, 19 Right, because what 2016 was season 11. This is 97, so that's like 19 years. And mm-hmm. I know we see young Mulder and young Samantha in that series, so definitely they got new people. So, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have a choice there. Yeah. 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 What'd you think of this episode, Tori? I mean, I liked it when I watched it. Like in in terms of like, I like Mulder trying to piece together what happened, and I thought it was an interesting conclusion like once you see the photo of amy on the magazine you're like oh of course like it makes sense that Mulder would go up there and then you know i can get why he would again Mulder gets unhinged about trying to figure out what happened to sam so of course like he's gonna let some guy inject him with shit and be stupid and not remember things so i mean it all fits together for me i don't have any like massive problems with that as a plot line I don't know. Re- reading it back now, I'm like, man, this episode has some issues <laughs> that I did not really think of when I was watching it the first time, which I think, you know, sometimes that happens. You kind of step back and look at it. And you're like, hmm. But I mean, I don't have any like major problems with it. I feel like the ending with the Cassandras, I guess it's a little unsatisfying, but I guess murder suicide always is. So like clearly they were on drugs and had some kind of misconception and who knows why. Well, she was. was. So yeah, she was. was obviously... I mean, they were yeah. both innocent technically but yeah yeah but like you know who knows what went down and why Mulder's presence was related to that we'll never find out I guess so okay just and how does she get Mulder's gun I guess because he was tripping too 
Yeah. So I guess maybe he was. Yeah. And so she he maybe. I, yeah. I mean, we'll never know. Right. It's just one of those things where it's super fucked up. And we also don't oof. learn. We learn the blood spatter isn't consistent with him having shot them. But we don't know why. Did he like cradle them or something after they were shot? Like, why is he a baby? Maybe he grabbed them and was crying or who fucking knows. Yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. I don't know. I think this one is going to be a six for me. A six. So the same as Elegy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess these, I mean, they're not terrible. None of these episodes are like, man, I wish I hadn't watched it. You know, they're not bad, but they're just not, not quite hitting that higher bar for me. Hmm. I think I am going to make, I want to rewatch history and give this one a five. <laughs> How, oh, cause you haven't been giving it fives. Yeah, I don't think I've ever given anything a five. I don't think. So, okay, I thought you had, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, well, could we talk about how, like, it's either, like, a little below or a little above, and so five, we we never really seem to hit fives. Yeah, so, it's kind of a middling, middling. I yeah. would need to go back and look, but I don't think we've ever actually, or I don't think I've ever actually given something a five. You have. You gave in The Field Where I Died a five. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that was middling for sure. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about your, your five or is it just no I just didn't it, uh, I think I think R. W. Goodwin is a I think you should stick with the directing I think it's good <laughs> yeah like it's a good premise I like the premise and I like yep. I said I really like the flashback thing the flashback like just technically those were done yes, really yeah, well they were I would even say well. they were probably done better than the millennium flashbacks in a way, but they're also, they're also a different kind of flashback. So a different kind of vision, I guess mm-hmm. Frank's aren't really flashbacks. They're visions. Right. Molders are more flashbacks, but mm-hmm. yeah. And, and much like the uh, millennium ones, if you like go through, there's lots of stuff you miss. If you don't, if you just watch it, you have to like kind of go through and see little, little clips of things because they little inserts in different places. Mm-hmm. A lot of times out of sequence too. Like in the scene, the last flashback he has, the one where like Sam leans against the cigarette smoking man and then she's floating and then the picture of Sam shatters and the cigarette smoking man is standing there. Young cigarette smoking man is standing there smoking. And then right towards the end, there's a really quick scene again of like Bill Mulder closing a door, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because like he's shutting the memories off and then the flash goes away. It, it, I don't know if that was the intention or not, but actually it worked really well. I was really impressed with yeah. that. And then nice. again, the sound design is really good on them. Yeah. So. And aside from all the weird like lights and flashing, they're also kind of like like grainy film footagey kind of thing. They've got like some filters on it and stuff like that too to make it look all. It's it's really I'm, it was really impressed with it. Like a lot of super saturation mm-hmm. and then graininess and stuff. So yeah, but I mean, but as far as like the execution, the first time Mulder has a seizure, that is the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. David <laughs> Duchovny, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't think it was they, that bad, but yeah. Was, oh, <laughs> it was just oh my god. So yeah. I don't know. Again, I, we know I'm not particularly like I. I don't think either. I don't think they're bad, but I don't think they're anything special, either David Duchovny or Julian Anderson. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And uh, if you do stuff long enough, you're gonna get better at. It, one hopes. So, you know. Yeah. They both. They both have had really awesome things in episodes where I've been like, you know, like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> really, really good moments. I do think they're both good actors like i don't i don't generally have a problem with their acting i mean sometimes it does get a little over the top but it just depends but yeah i mean i thought this i thought the well and sometimes you're 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 you're, it's what you're working with you know yeah 
That's true. So, I mean, sometimes it is the writing, right? You know, not to besmirch either R.W. Goodwin or Kim Manners, for that matter, because we know Kim Manners usually does a pretty excellent job. But, I mean, there's the writing, there's the direction, mm-hmm. you know. And also, they're on the weekly grind. So Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you, know, you can maybe, only film maybe, something so many you know, times. Yeah, and who maybe knows he would have what... liked it better, but it's like, yeah. no, David, you've done that three times already. That's enough. Fine. We'll, yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll do one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you never know. But yeah, I just, yeah, it just, it, it didn't... Yeah, I just think execution-wise, it didn't meet the potential, which is, that happens a lot, in my opinion, with the X-Files episode. Like, the potential's there. Yeah, it this one did have a lot of potential, it. and it didn't, wasn't quite as good as maybe it could have been. But yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Also, I have to say, I'm just kind of getting tired of the same shit. Yeah, I mean, that's the, it is kind of the through line, right? So it's not I mean, at least away, there weren't, like, clones but... and bees and shit in this one, so that's good. <laughs> Like maybe, yeah. and maybe that's why I'm tired of the Sam shit because then all that other stuff is overlaid on top of it. And if it would just, it would, if it was just this, like the abduction stuff that we saw, mm-hmm. it would be, it would, it would be a little more, you know, gritty. So I don't know. Yeah. So it happens when a show goes on for a long time, it starts to just, I think it just starts to get diluted because, you know. Yeah, well, so especially this things. plot line, right? Like we kind of, yeah. I mean, at this point, there's not a lot of mystery left, so it's kind of like, yes, he wants to find her, but like, other than like literally finding her in person, I don't know what else we can get out of it. Yep. One, well, it's the thing they want to keep the show going, so you got to keep. They can't. They can't just have a resolution because then what are they going to do next season, right? Right. I mean, they they could, and Mulder could move on, and they could do more Monster of the Week stuff and more conspiracy stuff. But yeah, yeah. Usually that's not how it works. So yeah, yeah. It's, also, it's I don't know. You and I we've talked a little bit. Uh, I recently watched. Uh, finally, I've been meaning to watch it for a long time, but we all know that I'm not a good watcher. I watched Truth Seekers recently. Yes. And uh, it's only eight episodes, sadly, but it's just so good, and it's so it's so tightly written, and there there is kind of that like searching for someone that was lost aspect mm-hmm. to it, and it's just like man, I wish like X Files was like this tight. Right. You know, but then again, like that's the first season's eight episodes. So like it's tight. Right. And then like it, it actually, it has a conclusion. Like, like they were expecting to have a second season, which unfortunately Amazon canceled it. So they didn't get one, but like it's that season is a story. Like it has a start, it has a stop, but you could also see like, Oh, and then they could continue on with something else. And that would have worked great. But like, it's not like, Oh shit, we didn't get an ending kind of action mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like i think that's one of the things with like an ongoing series it's like you want to keep it going right you don't want to close things out right because, exactly cause... because to get something new is that's that's hard work i mean you gotta you know yeah well and it's also like Mulder's motivation so once that's solved like what's going to keep him there when things get rough right like so yeah yeah that makes it hard too and then also just the the development process like we've talked about before like even just like if you wanted an ongoing series, I think on even ongoing series have a different development process now than they did. Yes, in the 90s. they really do. Everything. And then something like Truth Seekers, like they knew we're going to do eight episodes, and hopefully we'll get to do more later. But if not, we, these eight episodes have to be awesome. Right. So do eight episodes. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, five. That's what I'm. All right. With. Cool. I've got a six. And next time is the finale, the season finale, which we know is going to end on a cliffhanger. What would be impressive is if it didn't. I know it would be. It would be amazing. I don't think that. I don't know if it'd be impressive, but but it would. It would be like oh. It would be like kind of shocking. It'd be like oh my god, it's not a cliffhanger. What? Yeah. 
Speaking of cliffhangers, I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Not real cliffhanger, but whatever. No. <laughs> Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy M Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files and X-Files adjacent television and films. If you like what we're doing, check out our show notes for ways to support the podcast. And of course, tell a friend, which is also a way to support the podcast, because we would love to have listeners, more listeners, any <laughs> listeners, whatever. Listeners. We like listeners. Yeah, we do like listeners. Speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of more listeners, be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is, is still out there. there. to close this out because i gotta turn on my air conditioning it's gotten way too hot in here so okay all right <laughs>